Welcome, welcome. You're listening to our podcast, Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. My name is Mark. I'm a registered massage therapist, registered kinesiologist here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. We've got a real cool guest sitting on the other side of our telephone today. There's another double header. We just had uh, we just had our, our our Reiki practitioner come in here, our new Reiki practitioner, yes. apparently. <laughs> and uh, we've got a real cool guest sitting on the other side of our phone. Yeah. Hey, everyone. It's Amanda. And we literally just finished recording with another person less than an hour ago. And now we're on the phone with Lynn, who's a registered massage therapist. And uh, Lynn and Mark recently met and she said she has things to talk about. And that makes Mark's ears perk up. And he said, cool. We met in a, can I say where we met? Is that cool? Yeah. Yeah. We met in our, our, our Conade Institute. So the other half of what we do at Two Massage Therapists and a Microphone is our continuing education company, Conade Institute. And one of the courses that we have is a one-day a one-day course, one-day workshop, I don't know what you want to call it. It's record-keeping for manual therapists, and we had the pleasure of having you sit into our class. And in that virtual class that we did, I love that class because it's not yeah. its not stuffy. It's not what you think about with record-keeping. And on top of that, it's, it's conversational. So there's yeah. a lot of stories that go back and forth, and it ends up being a really fun day. And so that's how we kind of got into this stuff when we were talking about some of the experiences that we've had, um, anything related to the professional profession, you know, but really along the lines of stuff that happens with the registrant and the college and these types of things. So, yeah. And so Mark came home and as always said to me, so I met someone that would be interesting for the podcast. I'm like, cool. And so here we are. (laughs) So Lynn, thanks for hanging out with us this afternoon. Before we get started, could you, for people listening, give a little bit of a backstory, um, what you were doing before massage therapy, if anything, if this wasn't your first career, um, how long you've been practicing, what type of practice you have, and uh, we can get right into the... The good stuff, the meat and potatoes of why we're talking today. Yeah, sure. Um, so it was not a first career for me. It was a second career choice. Uh, before that, um, I was looking to go into law enforcement. So um, that didn't work out. So here I am. <laughs> uh, went through some pretty terrible um, workplaces uh, before deciding to go to school for massage therapy. Um, that was, uh, oh, goodness. A long time ago, too long for me to remember. Uh, I've been a registrant for um, just over five years now. Nice. Um, so yeah, it's um, it's really great. I I currently own my own practice, so um, also really great being uh, the the boss as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the the uh, you know massage therapist. The practice that you own. Is it a multidiscipline practice? Is it you solo? What's 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 the practice? Yeah, so I actually um, have grown this uh, facility. <laughs> I say facility; it's huge. Um, it's a multi therapist uh, clinic, so it does have um, uh, other disciplines in it. However, that's not the focus of the clinic. Um, so massage therapy is the focus of the full clinic. So I have um, currently, including myself, five therapists who work here. And uh, looking to grow that eventually. Um, my so the clinic kind of just like has been in a perpetual growth state, <laughs> um, just like uh, from day one of me being um, in an office sharing with another therapist right. to me taking over to me hiring multiple people, and then um, yeah, we've recently gone through a, a big growth spurt and changed locations, and so. Yeah. I love hearing stories like that. And you're only yeah. five years in. Yes. Yeah. And that actually happened three years ago. So I was five years, like I was two years, two years in, in yeah. working for other clinics and then decided like, yeah, I can't do this. I have to, I have to do it myself. <laughs> Did you have any experience in being self-employed before? Um, No, actually. So yeah, all I had done was worked for other companies, whether that was, um, I did like a lot of administration and that kind of stuff. And I just worked for really terrible corporate companies, like really terrible. And it was just like that push I needed to get out of it. And like, it can't be this bad. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I need, there needs to be a better way of life. So, so how do you go about acquiring the skills that it takes to run a successful massage therapy clinic that also has other disciplines working that has grown so bloody much in a very short span of time. How did you, how did you figure out how to do that? Um, (laughs) You know, uh, I don't know. (laughs) Um, 
I think there's like a little imposter syndrome there where, where you're like, wow, am I actually doing this? Um, I actually didn't realize I had such a, like a love of business until I became a massage therapist and really, um, saw the potential for the business side of things, because let's be honest here in school, we learn nothing about business, like, you know, zero about how, what it takes to even be a sole proprietor. So, um, basically all I did was just research, just start reading articles and, watching YouTube and, you know, really like setting myself up for that. You know, I used to shit on schools a lot about having really bad business, business courses from massage schools. And I take it all back now. Do you? I do take it back because it's not, not, yeah, you're like, you're going to school to learn how to be a massage therapist. So, you know, I get why they might not have it. And and on top of that, the, the industry is just so big. To, to, to really have a business course that 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 touches on all possible aspects of what you can do in business yep. is, is almost impossible. So you're yep. better off not doing it than trying to do it very poorly. Yeah, and it would, it would just be a whole other section to school that would probably have to make it longer if it was going to be in-depth enough for people yeah. to leave massage school really equipped to run a business. I think there's two types of people that are going to run a business. The ones that are truly entrepreneurs that will start researching and figuring it out on their own, or ones who really want to be a business owner that will take it upon themselves to go to school and get a business degree or diploma or something, right? So yeah, for massage schools not to have a lot of business training, I get it. Like Mark, I used to say like, wow, we learn nothing, but I understand. It's very bad. It it, it could be done better, but I don't think it... You know what? We shouldn't generalize like that. We've met people who say their massage school did a great job in the business section. Mine did a horrible job. Yeah. Like, why are you you teaching me how to make a brochure? There there are people for that. I honestly think, uh, like, yeah, if they're, I think there there just needs to be like the basics of, you know, okay, now you're, you work for yourself, right? right? Like, what does that mean? I feel like even in that sense, I wasn't prepared. Okay, I get it. Yeah. uh, From massage therapy. Like, yeah, I didn't expect them to give me like a full marketing course. You know what I mean? I'm expecting the bare minimum. Like, you can possibly be involved as a sole proprietor, general partnership, a professional corporation, or an employee somewhere, and this is what it all kind of looks like yeah. on a very basic level. That yeah. way, at least, okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I definitely, again, I didn't even expect to love the business side so much. So, what do you love about it? Oh, <laughs> um, I love that I can just make the decision, right? Like, uh, mm-hmm. we have reflexology in our clinic. Let's do that. You know what I mean? Like, what I love that I don't have to report back to. Yes. Yeah, you know, like a corporation, and wait for the big guy upstairs to make the decision, and then, you know, okay, implement it. But it has to be this way, and there's all these policies and like rules we have to follow. And not to say that there shouldn't be rules, but but they're I your do, rules. They're my rules, but also like I gear this place for for the therapist. I, I really wanted to make sure that the therapists in this place were heard because I've also, you know, prior to owning the business, worked for clinics where I felt really unheard and that I was super replaceable. That's why therapists-owned clinics are the best places to work. Oh my gosh, Because yeah. you've been there and you know what uh, what massage therapists are looking for. You know what their day-to-day is like. You understand their mentality a little bit. So it's much easier to manage them or to work with them overseeing with them. what they're doing because you understand them a little more. Yeah, exactly. And that's exactly what I wanted. Like I I felt like we were suffering. <laughs> like it was, you know, the CMTO makes it all about, it's all about um, safety, right? Like public safety. It's about the public. And I get it for good reason. But then like, you know, us like, Hey, you know, like who's taking care of us and it has to be each other. Like we have to, we have to make sure that if, you know, if I'm, even if I'm in a clinic with other therapists that like, Hey man, did you drink some water today? <laughs> like, Did you eat today? Like just kind of looking out. But yeah, that's, that's mostly what I love about this place is that I, um, yeah, I can just set things up how I'd like to set them up. And Everything from the day I started doing that has just, like I said, it's been in perpetual growth. So, if you had to choose between running the clinic, just clinic operation ownership, or working 
at the same time. Like, do you, would you rather be a therapist? Like, do you enjoy the massage just as much as you enjoy the business? Do you enjoy one more than the other? Like, we know this dude. Well, we we know him through the podcast. He's a, he's a massage therapist. He's out in the BC. He's out in BC, and he's like, I love clinic ownership. He's like, I don't care about treating anymore. I haven't cared about treating in a long time, but I'm in love with with owning and operating and running several clinics. Yeah. See, that's so interesting because, um, I love both. Like I, I genuinely do love massage therapy and, and being the therapist, um, because of like, I guess my treatment style, like I love tracking progression and seeing patients really like excel at recovering injuries. Um, but because we're expanding at such a rapid rate, it's becoming difficult to, be in the treatment room and run business. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm at a point like with so many staff and like I said, I have, I have five therapists, including myself, but I have two other staff. So reflexologists and craniosacral therapists. So it's just like managing all of this, doing all of the back of house. Um, I'm currently part-time running the reception desk. Like I'm just doing a lot of things. So now I'm leaning more towards like, do I just back off of therapist a little bit and become the business person like running the business and that sounds so appealing because my body is tired (laughs) my body is feeling broken at this point because I'm just so I'm going back and forth so it's it's an interesting thing because I can see myself moving into more of the business end like I am only five years in and I will definitely put in more more years of therapist but you have to scale it back if your business is growing that rapidly, then yeah, yeah it's going to need your attention. Otherwise, the business is going to suffer. If the business suffers, everyone suffers. The clients suffer. Your your staff suffers. You yep. suffer. And so, then, and then the the glory spot is to get it to the point where it it pretty much runs on its own. Yeah, yeah. and then you can decide when you treat, how you treat, who you yeah. treat. If you want to at all, like that's, that's the glory spot. Yeah. And that's, I I totally feel that. Yeah. Now, Lynn, how did you end up in Mark's class? Was it because of strive requirements or did you legitimately need help with record keeping? (laughs) Um, So I currently haven't finished my strives uh, or for this year anyway. Um, No. So I actually, so I had previously taken a laser um, therapy course as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just like, you know, your, your emails always pop up. So I thought, I'm hitting five years. I should probably like take a refresh and just make sure my notes are good or whatever. And then Mm -hmm. I kind of got knocked with um, a peer assessment in the middle of that. So I had like signed up for the course and then actually I I should roll back a little bit on the peer assessment. So before COVID uh, and the pandemic hit, I got a notice of assessment that I was going to be assessed. And then, um, yeah, weeks went by, heard nothing. And then pandemic closure. So everything closed down. Right. Um, This was two years ago. (laughs) And, uh, yeah. So then I just, they said, you know, we'll reconvene when we can. And then fast forward to now, um, literally four weeks ago, uh, they were like, Oh, guess what? We're going to assess you now. And everything's over zoom. And, stay tuned because we'll tell you, you know, I guess your assessor will contact you. So I, I immediately had panic. (laughs) Why? Okay. Uh, it's tiered because over like through the, the pandemic, I was, I joined some Facebook groups like RMT Facebook groups, which I feel is, um, good and bad. Um, but I, anyway, I, I saw like horror stories of people getting peer assessed through the pandemic and how they were like on the hook for all of these courses they had to take. And they were like in appeal for their assessment. So it was just like, Oh my gosh, this is happening. I'm going to get these things. Like it just, anyway, it was unrealistic panic. Um, so anyway, and then I waited another couple weeks, heard nothing. Um, I was getting excited about taking the course like the um note taking course and then they were like oh guess what uh let's do Thursday and like I had submitted all my photos and everything that you have to send in and they send you a big list of things to get prepared so I had done all of that and then yeah she was like let's do it Thursday and then the note taking was Sunday oh so you literally just had a peer assessment days before coming to the course and that's what you wanted to talk about eh 
Yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> well, I will I will fill you in that both both of us as well had a peer assessment like during the pandemic. So um, Mark did his uh, December of last year. So almost uh, a year November. ago, November. And mine was January 2021. I didn't, I didn't get my results back, by the way, until like June or July. Oh, no, it was a, it was a it was earlier than that. It was about May. No, no, no. Yes, it was but because I got, I got back. Oh, you're right. You're right. Your <laughs> my results came yours before came yours. Before yes. Yeah, it was really bizarre because oh. he did his first. Yeah. And then I got I did mine in January. I got my results in May. He did his in yeah, November, December, and he got his sometime in the summer. But anyway, so we, we did both go through all this. So I, you know, I at least understand the anxiety we've done a couple of episodes where we talked about just the different feel you know like not being face to face with a person and yes we're all getting used to doing things virtually like hence you Mm -hmm. and I are talking right now virtually we're not even (laughs) face to face but it was just such a different vibe it it has to be it must just I'm just looking I pulled up the the annual report and the annual Mm -hmm. report there's a there's a page where the quality assurance committee gives all their information in 2020 of 400 and 74 peer assessments that were done, there were only 29, hey, I was one of them, there were only 29 there where there was no further action that was taken. That is That number Three, is so concerning. 320 were sent for a SCURP, and a SCURP is a Specified Continuing Education or Remediation Program, and that typically means you're going to have to take some sort of course or some sort of workshop or something. And like... That, so that's the part that scared me. Now, I shouldn't say scared. Like, I wasn't fearful, but it was just like, man, I don't have, you know, just talking about what we talked about. I don't have the time to, like, I, I do have the time, but when I have the time, not when they tell me to take it. You know what I mean? It's just like, there's so many unknowns. And it was like, how much is this course going to cost? And, like, I was just panicking about things that I don't, I didn't even know that I needed to panic about. And it just, that's exactly what it was. It was just like... Oh my God, <laughs> this is going to happen and it's going to be so huge. And I don't know how I'm going to take it or, it, you know, is there an appeal process? Like I was going into so much detail in my mind that probably wasn't required at the time, but it just, it like consumed me for, for weeks, like waiting for this, this assessment. So stressful. So why don't you tell us, Lynn, a lot what, what you and Mark got to talking about over the weekend and why you wanted to come on the podcast. Yeah. So um, just taking the course, Mark was talking about a couple like peer assessment stuff. Um, A couple things like were different, you know, from maybe even what you like you had gone through, Mark. It was just, um, uh, my gosh, I don't even know where to begin. Um, So they asked for like uh, client files, which they typically do. they didn't ask for all of the notes though. Like from what I understand, like I've never been peer assessed before this time. So what, from what I understand from last time or from the assessments before is that they would ask for, you know, patient files and then go through all of the notes in that file. I don't know if that's correct or not, but well, I mean, it it was a little bit different when it was in person. I I did have Mm -hmm. an assessment done in person. And yeah, sure, they'd look through the notes, but they weren't reading the notes for content, right? They were looking for specific things. Were the health history forms completely filled out? Were they updated? Um, Did you have all of the necessary things? So um, things like, was there a treatment plan put into place? Um, Is there... Uh, you know, therapeutic exercise prescription. Like they were just looking for very, very specific things. They weren't reading them, right? It was just sort of a skim through to make sure that all of the relevant information is there. So I understand in this case, because we were scanning and uploading stuff, I understand they're not going to ask, you know, if you have a client that you've been seeing for years, they don't want 75 pages (laughs) scanned to them. So what it was that they asked for, like the health history, the first the first treatment, and then like the most recent one, something like that, right? So I, I get it because I know that they're only looking for very specific things to make sure that you are including all of the appropriate information in your notes, right? Yeah, totally. And that's, that's exactly what they asked, like the first treatment plan, the first note, and then um, the most recent treatment plan and like the most recent clinical note. Um so yeah, there were some people that were new, you know, what, from the group that they asked for. So, you know, there was one treatment plan, one clinical note. It was easy peasy. But then the other, the other, the other ones, the one that really got me was um, a client I have been treating since like, since business. So um, 
you know, five years in, <laughs> I'm treating this person. So my my treatment plan and note, the very first one, is vastly different from the treatment plan and notes that I, you know, the most recent ones. So that's where things got weird for me. I really felt like I was under a microscope with that. And um, don't get me wrong, the assessor was lovely. She was so good um, and just like really helpful. But uh, something that kind of got to me was like, she had mentioned like, oh, where's the resolve for this treatment plan? You know, like the very first treatment plan, where's the resolve for that? And I was like, well, it's in the clinical notes that you didn't ask, didn't ask for. for yeah <laughs> you know and she was like well we you know we we they need to see that it's on that treatment plan form and I was like oh that's that's new because I didn't I had no idea like I I just put everything in my clinical note because from school that's where I've been told to put it is in the clinical note and that's where you're tracking your assessments your progressions and everything so you know that treatment plan resolved yes. And it's showing in the note. And I even offered like, I can send the note, you know, like, if that helps. And then, you know, she's like, well, and then you have this treatment plan. And I said, honestly, like, I have multiple treatment plans going on sometimes for people like it really depends on what they have going on. If they're an athlete, and they come in and we're working on their knee, but then they injure their shoulder, like, I'm going to start it a separate treatment plan, but they can both exist at the same time, right? Like it's just for me to stay organized. Right. So it just it sit it sat really odd with me that that would be something that was required. This is where it's so it's so inconsistent. It's yep. so yeah. inconsistent. Someone because will... I wasn't asked for any of that. Exactly. And like what Lynn is saying, when with my treatment plans, like when I have an initial assessment, I have the treatment plan written in there, and then the treatment notes and the treatment plan, they're all just one. It's one they're, thing. They're one thing. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. They just go on forever. So if they're only asking for two papers, they wouldn't yeah. have seen any resolve in mine. Yeah, yeah. And I, I even like I even mentioned like, okay, if you want to see the resolve of this, like I, like I said, I can send the paper like immediately after. I'll put the note in the upload it or whatever, so you can see there was resolve. But I didn't like I I know we have to reassess, and I know like we do all of these things to track progression. I didn't think it would be under such scrutiny. Like I think she was looking for certain things like, you know, the requirements for note taking, like I get that. Um, and like I said, I, the reason why I signed up for that note taking class, because I know after five years I'm missing things, you know what I mean? Like I'm just, I forgot to put it in or I'm, you know, so I, on my own fruition was like, I need a note taking class. You I know, feel like, I feel like that's an overreach. I feel like that as long as you're meeting your requirements of things that need to be documented and recorded, the yeah. format in order of which you do it is of your choice. It's independent mm-hmm. of anybody else. You're following yeah. the requirements, which are certain things need to be documented. Certain things need to be recorded. Yeah, I've never seen and, any standard. And, that... and of those things that doc, <laughs> that are documented and recorded, they need to be retrievable, which yeah. you can do. All of yep. those things, you meet all of that, all of all of the criteria there. Yep. So, in what universe does it have to be done in this particular way? that this peer assessor feels is the best way to do it. Yeah. And that's, and I, again, I didn't know like how, how much was her or how much was CMTO. Like it, I, I felt really unprepared for the whole thing. You know, I just like, here, send us these things and we'll see you this day. And it was like, what, wait, do I have the files with me? All I knew is I could not have the standards in front of me. So like, wait, can I have do I need the files? Should I go and get them? Like I had papers everywhere just in case, like I didn't know what else I would need to provide because it says like other documents may be required or requested in the meeting. So I'm like, Oh cool. So now I have to go and like photocopy things. Like I just felt really underprepared. So then hearing this, I was like, you know, like this would have been an easy fix. Had you told me before the meeting, like you want to see a resolve, I could have uploaded that resolve and then you would have seen it. But now I'm like, I haven't received my results yet. I'm sure it'll be quite some time. But now I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I going to have to, you know, rebuttal, right? What am, what am I going to have to do? So I don't know. It just, I just felt super underprepared. Uh, I know I wasn't the only one panicking in that situation, right? Where it's like, oh my God, we, they're so built up in school, um, peer assessments, right? Like 
just the biggest thing. And there, I think that um, also what I t- we talked about, Mark, was like the fact that they're not supposed to be a test. Like it's not supposed to feel like they're testing. It feels like an but, practical test. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Like it feels like you're literally gonna be burned at the stake if you don't have these things. <laughs> and in, that's not how you should feel. Like you, you should and, feel like, hey, I'm supported. Hey, if I'm missing something, they're gonna be like, okay, you're missing something. Show us that you can do that, and then we'll leave you alone. You know, exactly. like. And I think doing it virtually be, is, is a little bit of a problem this way. So, for example, if this person was in your clinic right then and there, you could be like, no, it, what you're asking for has actually been documented, and here it yeah. is, right here, and you can yeah. pull it up and just yeah. and, and we can take a look at it and everything else. I think a lot of that would be resolved if it went back to being. I a just person. thought of something, and no, I don't know no, if no, we no, brought no. this up before. Then, do you think the reason it does feel more like an oral practical test, and the reason that maybe people are getting um, dinged a little bit harder is because it's virtual and they know that we have the, I guess, upper hand in being able to prepare. Like, for example, when you're uploading notes, you could be like redoing these notes better than what would actually be in the file because you know that they can't just say, let me see the rest of that file. You know what I, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, or you can even sit there with all of your standards of practice open. You could literally, yeah. Yeah, how Lynn just said, like, oh, yeah. I couldn't have the standards in front of me. I'm like, well, yeah, technically you're not supposed to, but do people have the standards in front of them? They could have them like taped to the wall behind their screen. Nobody knows. <laughs> I considered it. I'm not going to lie. I was like, I think I should get one of those foam boards and just put them all up. Like, but then at the same time, I heard like, um, people having to like show their peer assessor around their room with like the video and like show their certificate on the wall. And like, I was like, I don't, I don't know what's actually going to happen this really? day. Really, I did my assessment on a desktop. I wouldn't have been able to do any of that. <laughs> that would have been a nightmare if they asked me to show. If she asked me to show her around the room, but, but you had to, you had to send in photographs of those things. I had so. to send in photos of yeah. everything. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, yeah. I didn't have to like pick up my computer and walk around the room because I wouldn't have been able to. <laughs> I don't know if you should even be doing that because everyone works in a slightly different freaking environment. So yeah. what if I'm a mobile therapist and I don't have that stuff? Like, why do I, why should there be a perk for me not being a a, a brick and mortar therapist that yeah. I, there's, you yep. know what I mean? But I also see it from the other end where, well, this is what you chose to do for as a therapist and have a brick and mortar and have a room and have this therefore now we gotta take a look at it god damn it i hate it when i answer my own questions (laughs) or do you actually like it no i hate it i uh i really just think like you know um for example when they were asking about the um the standards too like the questions oh this was the point i really wanted to tell you guys so the the questions that they ask and i know i understand they're not the ones making these questions but um, they're so freaking general. It's like, like hitting a fish in a barrel. Like it's, <laughs> it honestly is like, so the question that I had was how would you, and I know I have to like refer to, to the standard. So I do right. my best, but like, how would you know a patient consented to treatment was the question. And I was like, uh, okay, so do you want me to start from when they book the appointment or like when they get uh, before they get on the table? Like I literally went, I took them from like signing the health intake all the way. I took her all the way to like next treatment, right? Like, and they returned to like, ne- I think I talked for like 10 minutes on that question. <laughs> and, and I kept You want to make sure her, you hit every single point. <laughs> yeah. And I, I kept asking her like partway through, like, is that what you're talking about? And she's like, well, are you satisfied with your answer? And I'm like, I don't think so. I don't know. Like, what <laughs> am I? Like, I don't know. So I kept like talking and talking and talking. And then I was like, okay, I think that's good. But like, can I ask you a question though? So general. While, while you're talking and talking and talking, was your peer assessor typing and typing and typing or were they just listening to you? Yeah. So she was typing and like definitely wasn't saying. She was paraphrasing Do for you sure. Think she, oh, so you don't think it was possible for her to catch everything you said? No. No, I don't think so. See, no, it's not possible. There's a problem. That's yeah, a problem. and she went back. Like she did go back, and like she was like, you know, forgive me, I'm paraphrasing because you're talking a lot. I'm like, but you didn't give me a specific to tell and, you. Like, and on top of that, if her paraphrase 
is is an incorrect translation of what you've been saying. Yeah. That's what you're going to be great. Well, and against. she, if if they are paraphrasing, I mean, my predecessor yeah. was great in the sense that, like, she of course was paraphrasing because I would speak a lot, and then yep. she would read back to me very often. However, when I did get my results back, some of the stuff that I saw in the report, I was like, "Yeah, that's not what I said." Because you do get a copy of the report. Yeah, right? I was so like, you're going to oh, see. That's not what I said. You're going to see what your predecessor documented as your answers to the questions. It, it, it wasn't. Sorry, I should rephrase this. Not that it wasn't what I said. It was incomplete. Yes. So you, th- that's where I was like, huh, no, I, I, no, that's not exactly that's, what I said. And that's the report that the Quality Assurance Committee gets. Right. Yeah. And they make their decisions on, well, what's going to happen based on what they, so is the problem the peer assessor then? Do you see what I'm saying? Is There's yeah. so many fucking variables. Yeah, because it, it there's definitely inconsistencies there's no that we've way. now heard. There's no way that over 300 and something people of four 470 something, 320 something had to do a fucking course. And so even virtual or not, though, like if the issue is the peer assessor, how could it not be the same when they come in person? Like what is being lost over the screen? Because when they come in person, they're doing the same thing. Listen, though, but I, 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 I. I'm in a little bit more of a of a control witnessing situation, right? If I'm talking for 10 minutes and I see you write down for two seconds, obviously you're not recording what I'm saying here. Right. Do you see that? Like that can't happen when, when I have no idea what you're doing on the other type of other side of the screen. I don't even know if you're paying attention to me. Do you know what I mean? I don't know if you're looking at a YouTube video. I have no fucking clue. It's true. Well, good on you, Lynn, though, for like trying to elaborate and say a lot of things. I actually went the exact opposite direction because I knew that she was, typing everything I was saying, um, I actually left a lot of my answers too vague. Like just, I didn't say enough. And that was bad on me because it's not that I don't know this information. I was just trying to provide an answer that she could type and whatever. And then of course, when I get my report, I remember saying to Mark, I'm like, this this doesn't sound thorough enough. (laughs) I didn't say enough here, but it's not that I don't know the information, but that's another thing, right? Like in person, I felt like I could just like talk and talk and talk. And yeah, I guess it was that element of control realizing like, okay, then I can stop talking and you can take whatever notes you want. But as she was typing, there was like, this feeling inside me that I just need to be very concise and just give an answer that's easy for her to put on her her whatever her report yeah I totally get that because like in the beginning like some of them were very like um standard specific um which is I mean I get they have to ask these questions but like when I can just as a human being in a reasonable world pull it up on the CMTO website if like if I really don't know the standard, and I think after five years of being in the industry, you think you'd know this like roughly your standard. You know um, them. You might not know them word for word, but you know that's them. That's what I mean. Yeah, like I don't, I can't memorize. I tried to. Mem- don't get me wrong. I tried to memorize them in my panic. I was like, you're gonna memorize these, and then you're just gonna get from the full standard, and they still have nothing to say, <laughs> and it went to shit. Like it did not happen. But um, I I started doing the same thing you did. Was like. Oh, here's my answer. And it was like, and then after she was like, is that all you want to say? And then I would just be like, I think like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what to say. I almost feel like they're using the peer assessment as a survey tool to figure out where the majority of therapists are problematic. And then that way they can either, you know, make amendments to the standards of practice or make amendments to certain policies. Well, that's strange considering they amended the standards before a I'm large saying, majority of it, us had. It, and that's what it feels like to me. Or like we need to create we need to create more course content in this area because this is where people are lacking. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you still if you if you perform poorly you still perform poorly. Like, I mean, uh, unless, unless genuinely you're like, that's not what I said in my peer assessment. If you get your report back, you're like that, that is what I said. I don't necessarily understand why it's incorrect, but that's what, that is what I said. You see what I'm saying? So I feel like it's almost being like used as a survey tool. Yeah. To see where where we all suck. Data gathering. (laughs) Possibly. I don't know. Who knows? What do I know? Apparently everyone sucks. 320 people. 320 people. 474. It's it's insane to me. That's an insane amount of people. Yeah, I view that as like any school situation. Like if majority of the class is failing, you have to look at the teacher, not the class. Do you know what I mean? Like what what is it about the peer assessments that made these people essentially fail, right? And have to retake these courses? Like, is it that we're just not prepared? Like I feel, I, I don't know, I'm a 
I'm a very organized, prepared person. So when I, I get caught off guard like this, it actually creates like disorganization and I'm not the same person. But maybe had I get like been given a little bit more information, like here's what to expect in your yeah. your it's, meeting. It's and like you like, got tested, but you didn't even know you're going to go in for a test. Imagine that. You thought you were going in for a conversation and you ended up and that's your final exam. And especially if you've had is. an assessment before. As I said, I had a peer assessment not even five years before this one. So the one I had previously was like this this assessor showed up at my clinic. We sat down in my treatment room. We chatted. You know, she asked me, but it wasn't like question, answer, question, answer. It was truly a conversation and she would write stuff down and she would she would speak back to me, you know, because she could. So it it really did feel like more of a conversation. Whereas this time, as wonderful as my assessor was, like I've said it a million times, like she was a very nice person and I felt like she did her job to the best that she could, but it was much less of a conversation. It was much, it, it did feel like a test. Like I didn't go in feeling like I was going in for a test. And then as I was sitting there, I was like, like oh shit, tested. this is intense. This is like, exam. I really exam. hope that I remember, as you said, I really hope that I remember the standards. Like I know majority of the standards are common fucking sense. Like, let's be honest. Like it's, you understand Mark's like, uh, are there's they? Fi- there's fine details <laughs> in, in some of the, there's some fine details, but I feel like if you've been practicing correctly and you've been practicing, like I've been practicing like 10 ethically. years, like yeah. I, I yep. don't ever question if I am doing something that goes against the standard. Yes, I, yes, yes. I yes. know that I'm not. Collectively, collectively, you have a good idea. I have a st- very co- good idea. For, for most therapists, collectively, they have a good idea of all the yeah. standards. But when you break it down individually, according to this standard, tell me what you do for this. According to that, right. then you're like, what's in that standard? Because collectively, you're great. You can throw everything together and you and that's yeah. and that's the mode of which you work. And that's and why suddenly I felt properly. like, fuck, like I am literally being tested on on, on, what's, on what's standards, in the consent standard. What's yeah, in the draping it, standard? Right, exactly. And I was like, what's in the huh, remedial exercise? Do standard? I remember this shit? And you know, I gave my answers short and sweet. And like, that's what my assessment didn't take very long. But then afterwards, like I said, getting my report, I was like, I probably should have expanded on that. I should have said more there, like because it's not that I didn't know it. I was, I was purposely trying to be very concise. But that's the thing. So like, for example, when they start to talk to you about remedial exercise and they start to tell you things like, what types of things would you talk about with your patient during remedial exercise? They're looking for you to recite the standard where the standard talks about things like negative reactions. And it lists a certain things that they consider to be negative reactions. So you might be doing all of this within your practice anyway. You just don't think about that as like, oh, that's negative reactions. And this is, but you talk about it all the time with your patients and clients. And therefore, when you get asked the question a certain way like well what type of things do you talk about with your patients when giving them exercise like you don't think to think of that maybe right, right? You see, but it doesn't mean you don't do it and you don't know it they should just give you a fucking a t- test just give me a test then give me a multiple that's choice it, yes, test or that's give, me a, it. give me an essay yeah. type of test and I'll just write my answers out and you know what I'll that's submit it them and let's, let's call it a day if it's not going to be what it originally was if it's going to be a test let's actually just do a test then yep I'd rather because then at least I can prepare for that and just like no mentally I'm going into a test and it's completely different but like just having zero preparation like they give you like a tiny little list of like here's how it will go just give a test do all the same stuff submit all of the photographs submit all your patient shit here's the test test. log in this day to do the test and then bang if everything looks good you're good to go for the next five years give me another three hour multiple choice I'll do it I don't care (laughs) (laughs) that might actually be better I'll tell you a funny story I haven't told this story before but I mean this isn't really giving any um any information I shouldn't be giving but um one of the one of the questions in the peer assessment was about hygiene, right? So I described my process for like my hand hygiene, whatever. Anyway, when I get the report back and I see that that part was partially met, I actually burst out laughing. I'm like, what do you mean partially met? <laughs> like, I know how to wash my hands. I reread the answer and I was like, the only thing I see here that I didn't say, I didn't actually specify that I do this process both before treating the client and after. Like I said, you know, before I go and I explain the whole thing, I was I was on the floor laughing. I was like, <laughs> I guess I just assumed that people would know that I don't come out of my treatment room and go about my day and touch my phone with like yeah. somebody else's skin cells on my hands. But I guess I should have been more clear. That's where I feel like the peer assessor <laughs> should just be like, and 
what do you do after? What do you do? Right. And and and, it, and if they're met with like this funny look on their face, like, what do you mean? Well, then that person goes and touches everything with <laughs> exactly. skin cells. <laughs> exactly. Because everyone else would be like, I wash my hands. And then I wash my hands again. But yeah, I was, it's I was resolved. dead. Then I was it's resolved. Dead. Then it's done. Look, yeah. you met the requirements suddenly versus just by them asking you a, anyway, a follow-up. But yeah, like I didn't have to do like a skirt or anything. But when I got my result, um, there were things that had partially met. And as I said, once I read it, it was me realizing like, oh, I just didn't elaborate. What did you have to do? So for me, I had... You had, you had I recommendations had to, that were made? No, I had to... Um, I just had to clarify. So I had to um, submit a response just saying like, this is like what actually takes place in my practice. And so I did that because I went through like the things that were partially met. And like I was <laughs> laughing because I'm like, these these are not things that I do incorrectly at all. I, it, I had two scenarios happen. One was where I could see where, oh, you know, I was a little vague there. Okay, fine. I'll give it to the college. I should have expanded more on my answer. Like I was sort of assuming that they would I was assuming they'd I was assuming they'd know how smart I was <laughs> anyway so I was like okay there and then the other scenario I had though was when I would read the response that was given by the assessor I realized I actually in that case did go more into detail and I think there was parts she missed so it was a combination of my fault that I wasn't um I, I didn't say enough and also the assessor not necessarily paraphrasing everything the way I said it so I was like uh, Okay. Anyway, I wrote my response and literally got a letter like very shortly after saying, We can see that, you know, you do follow the standards, you do meet the requirements, you're professional, you yeah. don't have to take any I action. wonder I wonder what the cutoff is from them making recommendations. Cause I imagine that's because when they when they break down the outcomes, it's no further action, recommendations, referral to incapacity inquiries, or referral to inquiries, complaints and reports committee, uh, a SCURP, so a specified continuing education or remediation program, or another category is terms and conditions or limitations that are placed on uh, that are placed on the registrant. Amanda, I imagine you're in the recommendations category. That's yeah, what I guess be. I would have been in recommendations so and then my next letter said actually had the words no further action. And I'm curious then like how like what's the cutoff from being in that category yeah. to having to take a SCURP, like having to take a course or something like that because there was only 33 people of 474 last year that had recommendations. And there's 320 people that had to do a skirt. Like that's a lot. And when you when it's doing what it's supposed to be doing, in my mind, which is identifying people that don't have the capacity to practice, incapacity, they don't have the capacity to practice, or there's mm-hmm. something severely lo- wrong with their practice that they now need to be investigated, or there's terms or limitations placed on your practice. That's what it's supposed to do. And it's got us very small numbers of people in comparison to the amount of people they have taken courses, right? For incapacity, they've referred two people for that year for being sent for investigation 77 people that's quite a bit that are now getting investigated because of the peer assessment and there was 13 cases that there were terms or limitations placed on someone's practice like that to me is what the peer assessment is meant to clean up not not so much all of these things that can be handled by a conversation with your peer assessor who makes some recommendations and then you agree to follow them Right. And then that's that's that. Because I, for example, I remember when I got peer assessed, the first time I got peer assessed was like, I don't know, like the first two or three months into my practice. There was a certain part of my, 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 uh, my documentation that was apparently up what they said was just not good enough. Right. The peer assessor right then and there yes. recommended it. They're like, this is the only recommendation I would make to your practice. So this is what I'm reporting. And then pretty much they said, you need to change this and tell us you got 14 days to make this change in your practice and notify us that this change has been made and be aware you know we can come and check it anytime we want that type of thing right and so that's all you have to do you make that change your practice shoot them off an email says the the, the change has been made and you could show whatever but that's exactly proof how of whatever it used to be. and then and then you can walk away and they reserve the right obviously to uh, come back and check to make sure that you've actually See, made these changes that's how it used to be where the peer assessor would actually identify like if there was an issue to be identified it was identified with the assessor right. nothing can be so massive that the, like the numbers of people that are going to courses versus the number of the people that are actually have serious action taken against them, they're too far on the extreme ends. Do you know what I mean? So there's nothing super serious that's happening with the people that need to take courses. So why can't that get fixed a different way? Yeah, it can though. That's the thing. It can be fixed a different way. It's just a matter of like 
them implementing that though. I feel like, I, I don't know. I just feel like as an RMT in this situation, I don't have a say at all. Like there's no say. I don't get to be like, Hey, um, that I felt really unfair. Like that felt super unfair to me. I felt underprepared because you didn't actually tell me what was going to happen in that moment. And, you know, being in a, a situation where you didn't think it was a test, but then very quickly f- like feeling that you're in a test, like I broke out into a sweat, like <laughs> I broke it into a sweat mid assessment because I was like, Oh, this is tough. Like, I don't feel like it's a realistic thing. Like, why can't we just have that say? Where where does that say come from? You know, when does this get changed when it benefits CMTO, obviously, not us? So I, I just don't understand the whole... Um, yeah, I don't understand. I think that there needs to be more support there than there is because it doesn't feel supportive. And that might just be with the changes that they've made because of COVID and Zoom and everything else, but I just don't feel like we're we're supported at all in that in that aspect of it. That's a lot of money they're making off of those scurps. If all if all those scurps are courses, that's like over sixty grand. And because it's just a, it's an online course, it's not even like you have facilitators. You just have people log on and take a. That's a. But anyway, I had a like I said a full panic, and my partner was just like, "What? What's the worst that could happen?" And I was like. Ah, like I can lose my license. Like, can it, what can happen? You know, and, like, and really, nothing horribly happens if your practice is just decent and it does its job, right? Yeah. As long as you're not doing anything, compl- you're not deficient in any major areas. You'll be fine. Yeah. No, exactly. And that's that's literally all it was was just like thinking the worst, right? And just being like, oh my god, if if anything bad happens, I could lose my registration. And that's my life right now. So is that what they teach you in school though? I'm curious. Like if, if yes. you don't do well in your peer assessment, you can lose your license. Yeah. There was so much oh. fear around peer assessment. And I'm not somebody who gets scared by like anything academic right. at all. So it wasn't like, ooh, you know, peer assessment, but um having that like, I don't know, conditioning from school being like your peer school assessment does that. Is everything. Yeah. It's school everything. does that with with every, you lose your license. You you know how hard it is to fucking lose your license? It's gotta be. It's not it's not an easy thing to do. Like we have met therapists, um I'm I'm not trying to put anyone down, but we have met therapists that are like really have me scratching my head like how do you still have a license <laughs> if you if you seriously break the law yeah then, then fine i get yeah, it. like sexual sexual abuse cool you lose your license right i understand that but man even with insurance fraud and stuff people don't lose their license like you it's it's hard to lose your it's not hard i mean there's yes it is hard there's a lot of things that you do in your day that are not going to cause you to lose your meaning license meaning if you think you're if you think that you're doing everything properly and you think you're, you're a good therapist license. most likely you are you might have some areas that you need some improvement and so like the scurps fine and doing courses is fine if that's what you really really need but i do wish there was a better assessment process where the person who was there the peer assessor who's there to help you and support you could actually have a conversation with you and let you know things like as mark said when when he was told like okay these these parts of your notes aren't sufficient or in my first assessment when they said like you don't have I I didn't have my certificate of registration hanging in my room I just started at this clinic a few months back and I just forgot to put it up like little things like that that the college probably wouldn't be thrilled that I was doing but it was an easy enough fix that the peer assessor could just say correct this let me know you've corrected it uh there was something else I was missing like doctor's information in some files in my first assessment and the peer assessor just said to me hey this information's missing it needs to be there I didn't get any email from the CMTO saying oh in your assessment report these were the things we found and whatever whatever because it was taken care of at the time of the assessment the person was there to assess my practice and was able to point out areas that I already needed improvement so I I just wish it could be a little bit more like that where it wasn't a bunch of people sitting at home waiting for a package to come through registered mail telling them that they're not good at the job they've been doing for a decade (laughs) yeah I Um, yeah, I honestly, I don't know. I'm just like, I, I definitely feel better talking about it just because like, okay, like it's drastically changed since before the pandemic. Like there are very large gaps, I think, in the Zoom assessment, you know, and yeah, it does feel more testy. Um, but it, I think it could still do, like they could still do that. Like, you know what I mean? Like I think, so for example, I um. In a couple of my um, 
like recent, more recent treatment notes, I was missing a couple of things. And it was like, um, uh, the one I missed, um, I missed like telling what areas of the body. And I just, it was just because I didn't circle them on the piece of like, you know what I mean? Like I just, in that moment, didn't circle them, scanned it away to her. And I was like, Oh, and I realized after I had sent them and uploaded them like, Oh, look at that. I didn't circle any of the areas of the body, but I knew which areas I worked on, but I was like, cool. I I knew immediately I'm going to get dinged for that. But it was just like in that moment, she actually called that out and she was like, so this one you didn't circle. And I was like, I know, I know this, I'm sorry, you know, but then there was no like, okay, fix it. And then show me that you fixed it and I won't report it. There was none of that. It was just like, I'm going to have to let them know. And I was like, Oh, okay. I cool. I got fine. And then there were other ones where she pulled out, um, like, uh, the assessment portion. And she was like, this was really great. And it had all of these things. And then she would call back to the one that I missed the, the, the areas of treatment on. And I was like, can you just tell me to correct it? And I'll, I'll like, I'll scan it. Like, I don't know. I didn't, there was just no support. It felt not support. Like, again, she was a lovely person, but it just felt like there was no support in that aspect where it was like, you know, this, I can see from your others that you do it. This one that you didn't do, can you do it <laughs> and then show me that you've done, you know, like there wasn't. And there's another inconsistency exactly. with the assessors. Someone else because, would be like, okay, yeah, you, because you my, show me the majority of the time you do it. Yep. There's an oversight, no problem. Yep. My assessor was was the exact opposite. There was a couple, I think there was one, um, one client that I didn't have. Uh, like a treatment plan written out for. And so she asked me why. I explained the why. And she said, well, yeah, because it seemed inconsistent. All your other files had that. And so we talked about it and it wasn't something that was going to be a big deal because we discussed it. Same idea. There was a couple of files where I didn't, or yeah, I didn't put in the files um, that I had obtained consent. And I said to her, you know that I always obtain consent, right? And she's like, I do. Like, I can see how thorough you are and how organized you are. And so we talked about it. So again, in the notes that she put to the college, just made sure to put that I always obtain verbal consent. There were some times where it was like an oversight in putting it into the file. Like that to me feels supportive. But then as Mark said, with the inconsistency with the assessors, your assessor wasn't willing to sort of look at the pattern and realize, actually, your practice runs like this. And this was one small oversight. How many times have you had like a full day full of clients and you're writing notes and yet you're going to miss things? There's, I've seen some files where I open them up and I've written the person's name where they're supposed to be the date. Is that like, a peer assessor being, <laughs> like, is that a peer assessor being a dick? Is that a peer assessor taking just, their job that, very seriously, that, being or, very no, literal? No, 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 no. Is that a peer assessor being a dick? Is that a peer assessor that is just like, I'm just doing, I'm just doing my job, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do down to a T or is that a peer assessor that doesn't feel comfortable making a judgment call and decision on this? What do you what do you think it is? It might have to do with their training too. Like these new assessors, by the sounds of it, I don't know. When I say these new assessors, I mean the people who are now doing the virtual stuff. It sounds like the format has changed to where they're being so heavily instructed to be, because I've heard this from everyone, data collectors. Right. Yes. So if you are if you have that in your mind that it is not your job to make any interpretations or, you know, like I've even had some people say their assessor when they were asked to clarify the question would say like, I can't. Yeah, that she did. She did say that. Like, I was like, what do you mean? And she was like, and then she would just repeat the question back. Well, it says, and then she'd say the question back. And I'm like, that doesn't clarify anything. But no, that's, that's a test. That's not a conversation. That's not that's support. A test, that's a right? test. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened. Like I was, um, the uh, consent question that she asked me, I was like, can you like narrow in See, on that exactly. for me? It's silly though. Like it, you're, it's not like you're not going to answer the question it's not no. like, it's not like you're going to suddenly answer information that you didn't have before do you know what i mean like you <laughs> you're just asking can you can can you give me an idea what the question is asking so like i know all of this information i just need to know which column i'm going to pull it from yeah so i don't have to give you all of it you know what I mean? so that this this whole assessment doesn't take three actual hours they can easily just say can you tell me what you know about this and then you can go okay yeah. cool uh, yeah I, it's not again it's not like this information isn't there if it's there you can say it so well, it, it's just, just as an example like stupid. the there was so a question stupid. that asked um in my mind the question was asking me for an example of something 
And I realized when I got my report that it was really looking more for if I understood the definition. So you can see as me as the therapist, I know the definition. I was able to give you an example. But when I got my report back, the example was not sufficient to show that I understood the definition. Does that make sense? But I was like, but actually my example really does fall under that category, but it wasn't what you were looking for. Had I been given more clarification, I, I, I like I know exactly what you're asking now and I would have answered it differently. That's how I felt. Like I really felt that, um, yeah, it, it, she did give like, give me an example of this. Like there was a lot of that and you could tell which standard it was from and you were like, okay. And then you answer in like an example format. But then after, like after when they go over everything at the end, she was like, oh, you said, this and this and this for your answer, but what we were looking for was this and this. And I was like, but you didn't ask it in you that didn't question. Ask that. Like, I would much <laughs> rather you say, tell me what you know about the draping standard. And then I would tell you what I know about the draping standard versus give me an example of the things that you would do and how you would speak to your patient when draping them. Right. I'm like, I can do that too. But if you're looking for the consent standard, like just ask me, ask me about, and then, and then if you want me to give you an example at the end, give, can you tell me what you know about the consent standard? And then can you use, give me an example of how you utilize the standard? Then fine. Exactly. I think the wording needs to be different or there should be, there should be an allowance for clarification because it can mean a lot of different things. Like, are you asking me to recite the standard? Are you asking me to? So I think at one time I even said to her, um, so I'm going to tell you what I say verbatim in my treatment room. Like I was just letting her know, like, this is exactly how I do There's it. There's a question about consent. But when they say consent, they were saying the words informed consent. They didn't say consent like consent standard. Right. They're like, tell me what you what you do for informed consent. And I looked at them and I'm like, informed consent? Like you mean everything? Like the mishmash of all the standards together? Or are you specifically asking about the consent standard itself? And yeah. she says, I'm asking about informed consent. That's what the question is. I'm like, and then I, I got in with her. I'm like, I can tell you what's in the consent standard because I know what that is. And I can also tell you my whole informed consent, which is a combination of all of these standards. Which one do you want me to do? Because I can do them both. And she's just like, well, do whichever one you think is appropriately. So I went through the whole thing because she said informed consent. She didn't say it's consent standard. And then later when questions would come up, like, well, what do you tell your patients about this? I'm like, I, I answered that already because you didn't tell me that you were just talking about the consent standard. So I answered that in question yeah. number one. So then I got into it again. I'm like, would you like me to repeat it? Or are you just going to grab it from there? She's like, well, I, I and need. And this is why you didn't have to get yes. any. Then she's like, she's like, I need you to repeat it, please. And I'm like, but I'm just going to say the exact same thing I just said before. And the only reason why I answered it before, because you were unclear on the fucking question to begin with. In other words, in question number one, I probably answered the, all of the questions you're going to have in this whole fucking peer assessment. So just, you know what I mean? Anyway. That, that's, that's exactly how I felt in, in this whole thing. It was like, she was like, we have a couple more questions. And I'm like, okay, cool. Only a couple more hours ago. Like, it just felt like it was... um everything was repetitive and un unnecessary. I think there needs to be more conversation. I think there needs to be, um, yeah, less direction from the CMGO. Like give your, give your requirements, whatever we need to hit, give them to the peer assessor, but let them have some freedom and professional judgment. Can I ask you guys a question? Do you think any of you guys, do you think it is the duty of the college to address whether it's an email to posting on their webpage or whatever the case is, what the deal with peer assessments are now. Because there's been so many people that have complained about it. There's so many people that are very vocal about it. In other words, it's impossible for the governing body to not know, right? The association is very aware. Therefore, the association has probably made sure that the governing body knows. So do you think that the college, as a regulatory college, do you think they have a duty to to publish something regarding the peer assessment and the peer assessment process, whether it's that it's defending what they do is saying, we understand that, that you might have issues, but this is what we do and this is why we do it. And we're defending what we do or stating, yes, we recognize that this probably didn't go off the way we wanted it to. And we're actively making changes. Or, or do you think, do you think it's their duty to do so? Or are they just doing their duty by, Hey, I don't have to say anything if I don't want to. I honestly think if you're going to register a, large ass group of people that you should be completely transparent with everything. Like why is the peer assessment so secretive? 
if it's for the good of all therapists, why is it such a secret of how we go through it? Like, keep your questions a secret, fine. But why is the whole process so like controlled and secretive? Why can't I know what I'm going into before I get there? Why? Because to me, that takes away the test factor, right? Like, okay, I know that when I go there, I'm going to be asked questions about the standard. I'm going to have to show them my clinical notes and make sure I'm hitting all my standards. Um, And it's going to be a conversation about how I can be a better therapist, not feel like I'm being attacked and that my professionalism is on the line. Like, I feel like if the CMTO were to give public statement of like, here is the here's our standard for the peer assessment. So this is what we're going to hold as standard for that. And if anything happens outside of that, that format, then we'll have to address it. I really feel like, okay, we're registered with you. We're the ones paying, like, I'm not even going to go into that. We're the ones paying the money, right, to you to regulate us. And then we feel like we're under attack all the time. It just doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me. And I really think that they should. They should be more vocal about what they're doing, Um, whether that is here's the peer assessment. We don't care what you think, but don't be like non-existent because that's how they are. They're just in the background doing what they do. (laughs) And is that what they're supposed to be doing? Right. So, well, this uh, is that's what I want to know what you guys think. If the college's mission is to protect the public, which it is, right? The college is regulating us and they're they're devoted to keeping uh, public safety. That's their top priority, right? Their top priority is not us. It's regulating us, right? Am I correct, Mark? Well, yes, yes. Okay. Yes. So if, if that is their job, then it is only in their best interest to maintain a good relationship with the registrants and transparency would be part of that. Because if you, I mean, what you're describing right now, Lynn, what it sounds like is police. And we all know what has happened with public perception of police. They're not for a lot of people, they're not our number one and their their job is to serve and protect. So maintaining a good relationship with the registrants is only going to help increase um, their their bottom line and help with protecting the public because we are going to understand what's expected of us okay. and having a good relationship with I them will help to I just mean, increase I th- that. I, I think a lot of massage therapists, we need to kind of just evaluate or understand what is this a is that a role of the college and should it be a role of the college like i'm i'm also regulated under another regulatory college their correspondence is no different than the cmtos it's not like they're doing anything different or above and beyond to be supportive to their members and blah 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 they're doing exactly what the cmto does right mm-hmm. so is is all of us wanting there to be something different like that's an unrealistic thing because that's just probably not something that a regulatory college is supposed to be doing i think people's largest concern is that things obviously drastically changed considering there's so many people that are feeling this way and now that it has been brought to the forefront of conversation online on our podcast we've done multiple episodes about it as well i think people's issue is that there's been such drastic changes and we felt like we were in the dark with them Like it didn't, it's not like it just changed to a different format. Everything about the assessment process feels different to people. Um, So many more people that wouldn't have expected to have any action taken against them. So you wanted a notice to the members of this is what the, this is what what the peer assessment is going to look like It sounds like that's what Lynn is saying as well. Like she felt like she was not prepared because she was expecting you know, what she maybe had heard other colleagues had been through before. And, And as myself being through a peer assessment, like I said, five years ago, I had a very different expectation and it wasn't until I sat down in front of this computer and it started that I was like, whoa, this is very different than what I thought. (laughs) In our office here, we live on Zoom. Like we do everything, computer screen, Zoom, 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 computers, 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 screen, 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 screen. Imagine being the therapist that you don't do any of that stuff and now you have this virtual peer assessment. You're already nervous it's a peer assessment. Now it's like virtually, you're like, I got to figure out how to use a fucking computer. Well, that's why why Lynn was sitting there sweating. (laughs) literally broke out into a full sweat like beads of sweat you know all i can think of is monica from yeah (laughs) my ass is sweating (laughs) i was monica it's so true oh my gosh it was just so yeah it was if had i been able to take away like i said i'm not afraid of 
anything academic, testing, whatever, because I can give myself the time to prepare for it. I felt like I had zero time. They were like, here's the manual. And it went through the standards. Like it was just like, here's the manual. This is what you have to send us. This is how you get it to us. Here are the standards. It didn't say like, you know, it didn't give any focus. Mm -hmm. And I get it. The standards were the focus, but like, okay, are we focusing on memorizing them? Like that's what my first thing was like, do I have to memorize these? Is that what they want? Like when we were in school, like we have to know them verbatim, like, or do I just have to have a general understanding, which I did of every single one because I practice it every day, mm-hmm. you know? And then when getting into the room, it was like, no, no, I probably should have had these memorized. And it just, it was such a weird, if I, if I would have had a moment to prepare and know what was coming, it would have been a far like more enjoyable experience. That's for sure. It would have been so much better. And like in terms of being more supportive, I, I I also just thought of this now, maybe we need to think of being more supportive in a different way. So for example, for example, if so many people are having issues with, with their record keeping, for example, and they come to realize that by doing all of this, all of this quality assurance stuff, all these peer assessors and mm-hmm. peer assessments, and it feels like they're testing you and they come to realize oh, there's almost 70% of the, the population that we, that we just saw had record keeping issues. Then maybe them being supportive would be, let's create the e-learning that you have right. to do for Strive every year, let's make record keeping being one of them. And guess what? Maybe you have to do that every two years. That's another way of looking at it being supportive, that we're going to do things for the members. It, it doesn't appear like we're giving you stuff, but this is how we're being supportive. We're, instead of instead of you waiting another six years to do your peer assessment, to get dinged on record keeping, then to be told to take a course, well, you could have been updating it every two years because you're sort of forced to as part of maintaining your license because you have to do Strive to maintain your license. Yeah. That's I really like, like that. that's supportive. Yeah, you've got some Agreed. good ideas. I'm a logical guy. You're eh? a logical guy. <laughs> Imagine that the guy at the fucking Mohawk is a logical Imagine guy. Imagine that. Jesus, I'm stoned in the middle of the day. <laughs> you are stoned in the middle of the day. It's Nobody listened to him. No, I'm it's kidding. A <laughs> well, anyway, I I appreciate you wanting to come on and talk about this, Lynn. I know a lot of people are afraid to talk about the peer assessment, but I think having these conversations, um, hopefully, also will help people to realize that. It is a little bit different now. And, you know, maybe making sure that you do actually know the standards really, really, really well, even if you feel like I did, where I was like, I'm I'm, I'm doing we're things not, right. We're not even talking out of school because when they notify you that you're going to be peer assessed, they give you a package and then the package includes the standards and they say, read this shit. Yeah, just literally read the shit. Read the shit. So just, know the I shit. just want to make it known that we're not saying anything that you won't figure out as soon as you get you notice of being peer assessed. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, thanks for wanting to talk about this. I know a lot of people are feeling this way. So I think it also helps people not feel so frustrated. Um, totally. We've heard a lot of online chatter and we've had people, you know, in different courses tell us that they... Yeah, it was just a different vibe. And like I said, I agree. I, I felt a different vibe. Ultimately, I didn't think my assessment went that badly. I was a little surprised when I got the email saying there was certain things that were partially met. And I was like, what things? No, I do all the things right. Are you guys crazy? <laughs> but all in all, it ended up fine. And I'm sure for you, Lynn, it will be fine as well. Like it sounds like you obviously know what you're doing and you're running your practice properly. I mean, the worst that might happen is you get an email like I did where you have to make some clarifications to show them that, you know, either the assessor maybe missed out on some pieces in their prayer paraphrasing, or like me, you were just trying to get through these goddamn answers <laughs> fast and you missed out on some things. Like, yeah. you know, I walk around, I can't get over the hand washing thing. I walk around all day with other people's skin cells on my hands. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> You're disgusting. I'm disgusting. <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> oh, anything else you wanna you wanna add before we wrap up, Monsieur? No, I think this was good. Yeah, that's it for me. Right on. Awesome. Well, thanks for hanging out. This was good. It's fun. You guys have been listening to two massage therapists in a microphone. Peace.